Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. I was fortunate that my friend, Carolyn Powell, who's an HR executive, was interviewed long enough to produce two separate interviews. This is part two. Carolyn shares great tips about how to excel at work, even when things aren't ideal. Can you explain the 360? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think everyone knows what that is, because when you said they may have heard from someone on the team, you need to know that there's assessments, there are tools which gather or elicit information from coworkers as well as managers and supervisors. Let me touch on the 360 and then let's talk about what you can learn from a bad manager because we've all had them and you'll have more of them in your life for better or for worse. But on the 360, a 360 means an evaluation where you're getting feedback from all sides and that would include your supervisor, your peers, and if you have them, subordinates, you know, if you're managing people. So it gives you this whole view. Now, many times, and I like this practice when you're going through project teams, you may be working with cross-functional teams, meaning individuals from different departments across the organization, not necessarily on your immediate team, on a special project for the organization. And then as part of the feedback loop or feedback process for was it a successful project, a manager will seek out feedback from these other folks on the project team or your peer group in the department and say, how was Carolyn as a team member? Typically, you would give them criteria to go through participation, contribution, creativity, depends on what the role is, right? Did you meet deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. One of the other tools I've seen folks use is If you gave the team money at the end of the day, let's say it's a team of five and I gave you $100 and said, divide it up between yourselves of how you think you've each participated, you'll see if, you know, do they say, hey, I would give $90 to this person and and $2 to everybody else? Or would they divide it evenly? I mean, so you're being observed. People are working hard. People want to be successful. This is my belief. Everybody comes to work every day wanting to be successful. And if they're relying on you as a teammate to get your piece of the project done so they can do their piece of the project, it's going to be important to them that you're fully contributing. Now, you also may work with people who aren't fully contributing and you'll find yourself in a position of 
trying to make up ground for them or cover work for them. It is okay to go to those individuals and say, I'm concerned. I would always start with dealing with the individual versus going right to your manager. You could start with the individual and say, I'm concerned that your piece of the project hasn't come in on time and therefore it's impacted my ability to get my piece done. Now, depending on the result or the kind of information you hear from that, you may hear they're having trouble at home or they haven't been feeling well or, and you'll have to assess in that moment, is that a pattern or is it a just happens to be a one-off of whether you need to escalate it or not. But I like to try to resolve things myself before escalating them, but then you should be able to and comfortable to escalate. But it's important for you to know that people are observing your work. As I like to say, they do pay you to go there. You know, if we pay you to come here, you know, you are expected to earn your dollar. So I think people should have that expectation that their work is being assessed, not just by their manager, but by their manager reaching out to others for feedback. Now, if your manager is a new manager, or maybe not a new manager, but hasn't learned or exhibited the right behaviors, sometimes people say, well, what can I do about that? Well, the avenues would be first address it directly with your manager. And you could use kind of a similar pattern we talked about before, like I'm concerned. And it could be like, a, I was hoping I would get more guidance from you on, you know, what to do and either a specific example or overall. I haven't gotten that guidance yet, but what I'd like to do is help to work together and maybe we could meet more frequently or, you know, give them an action plan of what, what you were hoping for, what you'd like to see in a respectful way, understanding they're still your manager, even if they're not a good manager. If you're not finding you're getting anywhere with that, your avenue is certainly your HR team, or most companies have an open door policy, meaning that you could go to any level in the organization and have that discussion. But know that anytime you go to any other level or your HR department, the first thing they're going to ask you is, have you talked to your manager? And so you want to be sure you're positioning yourself to have that. And if you need coaching on how do you talk to your manager, you could go in and say, HR, I'd like to go talk to my manager about this. I just need some coaching on how to best do that so it doesn't become a negative conversation. That's a really good way to approach it. I would say the absolute worst way to approach it is to go to the lunchroom and complain about it. Or today with everybody working virtually, you know, go to the virtual lunchroom and start complaining. You know, my manager is terrible. My manager, that is probably the absolute worst thing you could do because one, you don't know who those people are going to go talk to and the likelihood that that will get back to your manager is probably pretty high. And then you become a negative influence in the workplace. And that's not good for you. And it's not good for anybody around you. So if you find yourself going through that down that path, I would check yourself. And if you really feel the need to vent, I would find somebody outside the workplace, a trusted friend that you could talk to and get some advice or go to HR and say, I need some coaching. But becoming negative and speaking down about other people in the workplace is really a negative path for you. And you probably want to rethink that. I heard you suggest coming up with an action plan that you can give to your manager. People may think, well, the manager should be giving me an action plan about how I can get promoted. It's your career. It won't hurt you to jot down a few things in an email and hand it to the person or send it electronically, him or her. It's your career. You want to be successful. You want to learn. You want to grow. If you're unfortunate enough, to have a poor manager, you have to step up your game until you have what you need and then you can move on. 
But in the meantime, you have to make the best of the situation you're in. And Carolyn's advice is excellent. You don't want to start bad mouthing your boss at work. No good can come of it. Not at all. So now, Carolyn, what advice would you give someone who just graduated, say from college, and is moving into the workplace today as unusual as these times are? I really feel for people at every stage of their life right now, it's been a very challenging 2020, though 2020 has brought us many blessings too. You know, we've been able to spend more time with our families and experience things in a different way, but it's also been horrible and just negatively impacted so many. But I'd say for somebody coming out of college at this time, it's hard to know coming out of school what you'd like to do. I wasn't sure when I came out of school if I wanted to teach, if I wanted to go back to school, go to law school, if I wanted to be a writer was one of the things I was interested in. So I got started working with my network, and this is what I advise anyone to do. Talk to everyone around you. Parents, friends were a big resource for me. My friends' parents and the different professions that they were in. So I used to go visit my friends and ask, could I talk to your mother? Could I talk to your father about what they do, about what they like about what they do? It probably was a tease that HR was the right field for me because I was off interviewing people. (laughs) And I learned a lot about a lot of different professions, what people liked about their jobs, what they didn't like about their jobs, the types of things that interested them, how they started. And through those conversations, those people offered to introduce me to other people, which led to interviews, which led to a job. So I'd say a lot of it is this is the time to explore. Certainly, if you're under a lot of financial pressure, then you have to think through what job can I get readily while I look for whatever that next job will be. And I tell you, you, your career is going to be long. So I don't become paralyzed trying to find the perfect job right out of school because there's no such thing as the perfect job. Your career, like your life, is going to be a journey. And these are going to be building blocks to help you learn different things. I've worked in retail establishments for catering companies. I've worked in the professional world for a long time. Each of these experiences taught me different things and, you know, how to deal with people, how to make sure I was completing my responsibilities, how important each of these roles were and how they fit into the larger team. So these are all learning experiences that you can get. But I'd say work with your, most colleges have great career development offices. It relies on you. You have to be the self-starter. Nobody's going to come find you in your dorm room and drag you down to the career development office and say, what do you want to do with your life? I like to say the world is not your mom. I have two young sons who are in college that I adore. But I always say, like, you know, I have children at home, not at work. So don't assume that the world is going to take care of you the way your mom does. You have to be self-motivated. You've got to get yourself down there, get to the career development office, get in and talk to other people, talk to your friends. What do your parents do? Can I sit down with them? People like to talk about what they do and just go over, buy somebody a cup of coffee and talk about what they do and then talk about what you want to do and how that might fit. And you'll find that people want to help you. If you reach out, you know, humans are naturally caring for people in their environment. Reach out, ask for help, and people will help you and introduce you to other people who will help you. But respect your network. If people are helping you, they're giving you feedback, and if they introduce you then to someone else in their network to help you make a connection, make sure you're going into those networking meetings like you're on a job interview. 
Dress properly. Prepare yourself. Have questions. Don't show up rumpled and disgruntled about, I can't believe mom's out here making me look for a job. Respect people's time. They're investing their time in you. And they, you know, are willing to meet with you because they want to help you because like me, other people have helped them and they're paying it forward. So respect it in that way and treat it for the gift that it is. And if you're not ready for that and ready to face that in a positive way, then I would step back, go back to some of the things we discussed earlier about understanding yourself, understanding your profile, understanding where you are in your emotional journey around looking for a job and be sure that you are ready because people will be making judgments about you based on who they meet. And if they meet you and say, what a great person, and I really like to help support them, they're going to help propel you. If they meet you and think, I'm not even sure why this person came to see me, they weren't receptive of any feedback, they were unclear, they may feel in their generosity of their soul that they're trying to help you on their path. But if you're not ready, you may want to take a step back and seek another path. You don't certainly don't want to start by burning bridges. No. But whoever you talk to, thank them. Mm -hmm. Don't take it for granted that they know you're grateful. Send them in at least an email. Now, a text, in my opinion, is far too informal, but you got to thank them. If the best you can do, if it's not worth any more to you than a text, then text them. But you've got to thank them. You know, Carolyn, I was talking to a career counselor at a, a large university a couple of weeks ago. And right after I talked to her, I saw a TV show of it wasn't a documentary. I don't know what kind of programming it was. It was a group of advertising and marketing executives who had hiring responsibilities. And they were talking about how they felt about applicants who they had come across. And the facilitator, the moderator was asking questions. And one of the executives said, oh, if I don't get a thank you within 24 hours, that person, I don't care how good they were in the interview, they're off the radar screen. They're never getting a job here. And I, it, it took me aback. I was like, dude, I didn't know it was like that. I mean, I knew thank yous were important, but I had never heard it verbalized like that. And then I was more surprised when one of the other executives said, oh, I agree. If you can't thank a person for taking the time to interview you, if you can't show that level of politeness, then you're not the type of person. And I said, you know, I wish every student could see this program because they won't believe it unless they hear it from someone who actually has hiring responsibility. That's the way two of those people felt. And even though I, I don't believe that position is pervasive. In this kind of job market, can you afford to take the chance? A thank you is such a small thing to do. I mean, it's a, it's a, it, in my opinion, it's a no brainer. Yeah, I, I would agree. The best practice is to respond the same day, like go home. Yeah. It's again, it's your job. It's your job to look for a job. So when you get home, Jot down, you should have all your notes from your interviews, whoever you met that day, no matter how many people. And then each thank you can have its own structure. 
you know, thank you for meeting with me today for such and such position. And then the middle should be what was special about something you discussed. Thank you for your feedback on. I was interested to hear you talk about something that directly relates to whatever dialogue you had with that individual. Remember, these are humans. So it's the, and they're looking at you like this is the best it's ever going to be. Like when you're interviewing for a job, they're assuming this is the best it's ever going to be. You know, think about it like dating. When you're dating, you know, this is the best it's going to be, it, right. you know, and then you get married. So it's like they're looking for who are you? Who is the best that this person's bringing to the table? And take the time and consideration to customize those responses. It doesn't have to be a very long, it could be three brief paragraphs. We're going to keep it brief, respect people's time, and tie it back to a specific dialogue. That will differentiate you. Because what happens that people don't always realize is, say I interview a number of candidates. We may look at 100 resumes to phone screen 20 to interview in person three to five. Once we get through those three to five people and the people in the interview panel get together and they debrief on those candidates. So they sit down, they say, okay, here are my experiences. They typically have somewhere they're scoring you. Like each person's looking at, do you have the experience? Do you have the knowledge? Do you have the skills? Do you have the abilities? Do you have the competencies? And will you fit in the organization? And like I've had a lot, especially as you go higher in your career and even as you're starting is, will it fit? Because do you behave in a way that we behave? Are you polite? Are you respectful? Are you a team player? Do you have a certain energy to you? Do you do you have a sense of humor? Do you have a little bit of charm? And they will ask, and I do this frequently, ask the receptionist what they thought. Yes. Because you ask the receptionist, then they say, God, that person was so friendly and polite. Or, you know, if you show up and you're disheveled and surly and like, when are they on? They're keeping me waiting. They, people will ask every person you interact with, the person who walks you from meeting to meeting, they will ask everyone what their experience was with you. And then they'll put that all together and discuss you versus the other candidates they've met and then decide. And I, to your point, Beverly, on thank yous, I would come to that meeting and say, you know, that person never sent me a thank you note. Or, you know, that person sent me a thank you note, not only tied to what I was talking about, but also talked about what they would do when they joined the company. Here's some great ideas I have for you. And they're giving us ideas already. They're showing us they're already here. And that's what differentiates you. It is a very competitive workplace, regardless of, and I know there's a a lot around the unemployment rates and what that means and how competitive, I, I go to your earlier point, I would assume everything's a competition. And if you really want to be, don't go on jobs unless you really want them, because that might discount you right away. Um, so you got to get out there and experience it. Um, but I would also say, act like you want each job until it's always better to be able to say no than not to get offered the job at all. And you know, you want to create in their mind a win-win. You're going, the employer's going to win and you're going to win. And that's what you do in that thank you that Carolyn's described. This is what I remember about our discussion. And here's what I have, what I thought of after we talk. And I mean, it does. You say differentiate. I say distinguish because I'm telling you, people will remember you, will remember you separate and apart from the other people that they meet. It just, it makes a difference. It makes them 
know that you were paying attention and that you thought about what was discussed after you left and that you really want the job to Carolyn's point. You got to act like you want it. You got to let them know that you want it and that you're the one that should be hired because they have choices. You want them to choose you. Look and sound the part and deliver. Yeah, and I would add to this, Beverly, and I know you talk about this in your upcoming book, as thank you for sharing the preview with me, is you've got to stay ready. Take care of yourself. Stay fit. Stay mentally focused. It's like keeping your clothes cleaned and pressed so you're ready to go. Keep yourself cleaned and pressed. Make sure you're getting exercise. Make sure you're taking time for mindfulness, eating healthy, because the person that you show up to be, again, you want to show up as your best self and understanding who you're presenting to the organization. Like this, the lockdowns that took place this year, taking its toll on all of us, but think about how you can take care of yourself and best position yourself for what's to come. There's a lot of stress on people now with parents, whether you have children or you don't, you're dealing with remote schooling or you're not, you know, just watching the news uh, every day is enough to stress you out. But be sure you're taking care of yourself. And so you can bring your best self to these meetings and people really can get to know who you are and understand how you fit in their organization. And and that's going to be really important. No, Carolyn, you're absolutely right. And thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us today. Just invaluable insight. You always have it. <laughs> you, Like I said, you're my go-to. You're my go-to. It really troubles me that there are going to be so many people out of work and they won't be able to afford a coach, a career coach, even books. I'm trying to find a corporate sponsor to buy the books for people who may not be able to afford to buy them. I'd give them away if I could afford it. This information that you've provided is invaluable. And I really sincerely appreciate you taking the time out of what I know is a busy day to share this information with us and your time. As always, your star. Thank you. Thank you for having me today, Beverly. And to everybody out there, best of luck in your career development and your job search. We've all been in it. We've all been through it. You're not alone. We'll talk soon. Maybe we'll be able to have lunch in 2021. When that I love it. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.